Welcome to 757 Tales, Stories from Hampton Roads, Season 1, Episode 8. Today we talk to returning guest Al Tuning, Virginia Beach historian, author, actor, and reenactor, about Louis Guitar the Pirate, the Battle of Lynnhaven Bay, and more. So yeah, so you go, they showed you the inside of a black a pirate ship right. on the Disney thing. With the... All the wanted posters or yeah. pictures of the different yeah. pirate caps, and you, you click on Blackbeard, who's maybe the most famous pirate. Right. Okay. And it says in there that his death was ordered by the governor of Massachusetts. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> Not even close. And then when they represent him in their follow-up movie yeah. or something, first of all, they don't use anything that resembles what we think is what we used to think was his flag. Right. And they they use. He's got a following of zombies right, and right. all this kind of stuff. They really went off on the uh, the inventive, creative stuff, but the fact they didn't get those basic facts right is kind of sad. I know, and yeah. especially a company like Disney. Yeah, you know, yeah. researchers just... I mean, essentially, they they have an unlimited budget. Right. And there's no excuse for not getting the little details right. That's like when I see military movies where the uniforms oh, yeah. are wrong or something. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now, well, based on a true story. <laughs> right. There was a war. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all that's true. It's, yeah. Well, and for me, it's obviously movies about fire yeah. stations and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, what? Well, I'm sure you see, yeah. One of the yeah. best ones, this is off topic, but uh -huh. one of the best ones for me was Emergency that ran back in the mm -hmm. 70s and 80s. Watched it every week as yeah, a kid. Yeah, and, and whenever possible, they would put in a lot of actual like mm -hmm. news footage of a, of a building mm -hmm. burning and all that right. kind of stuff. I mean, it was stupid because the fire trucks always pulled up to the front door right. and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but just the, the life in the fire station was very realistic. Mm -hmm. New ones now, like yeah. um, Chicago Fire and yeah. all that, they're just so absurd. Yeah, I thought maybe um, later on we can do a little tip of the hat to the fire service if you want to do a couple fire service shows. And, sure. You know, just talk about the life of a firefighter and a captain and all Absolutely. that stuff. We've done the fire boat, but, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Thanks for joining me once again, Al, on 757 Tales. Turning to today's subject, pirates, one you're well familiar with, please tell the audience a little bit about your study of pirates, your involvement in pirate living history, and other research you've done. John, thanks an awful lot for letting me come back. I think you know that for 15 years I was in a Civil War living history group as the 3rd Virginia. We worked with the National Park Service. We were what people would refer to as hardcore. Right. Stitch Nazis or whatever you yeah. want to say. And we were very particular about the mm -hmm. material the uniforms were made out of. And it, um, it was great fun, but ultimately the political correctness got in the way. It's like, we want you to come to our program, but you can't bring your flag and you can't right. bring a gun and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, why are we there? Right. So I, I kind of disassociated with that. But we had worked with Norfolk Botanical Gardens. They had an event called History Alive, mm -hmm. which was amazing because they had all these reenactment groups spread throughout the garden. So oh, you're walking wow. down a trail and you walk into like a, a Roman villa or something. You come in over here and there's uh, an American Indian campground. But, or a dog pound. Or a dog pound, yes. <laughs> and they, um, for some reason, they got a new director, and he said, no, this is not what we are. We're, we're a, a garden. Huh. But within the next couple of years, they were doing something nautical. Mm -hmm. And because they knew me, they're like, right. Al, do you do pirate? Well, heck yes, <laughs> I do pirate. So I called a couple of my Civil War buddies, and we yeah. showed up. I mean, we went to 
Goodwill yeah. and, and just bought some old clothes and stuff and started it. And that developed into 14 years of that. Wow. And we had, uh, at one point, we had 30 people. Uh, we were called the Moody Crew. Yeah. And there was a pirate named Christopher Moody who was one of those famous but not so well-known pirates. Again, we had our hard, hardcore group that was able to, to be more historical. And then we had others. And the whole thing was just to teach. Yeah. You know, so that developed. We got National Geographic did a traveling exhibit a few years ago, well, back in the 80s or 90s, I guess. Uh, it was called Real Pirates. Mm -hmm. And they had, not they, but a pirate ship, the Witta, mm -hmm. had been discovered off Cape Cod. And they made right. lots, lots of, well, not just money, but a lot of artifacts. Mm -hmm. And so they had them on, on display. And they came around to Nauticus and went and looked at it. This is really cool. Yeah. You know? And, oh, we've got one of those. You know, we've got a gun like that, uh -huh. you know, well, we've got a pair of shoes like that. Yeah. So I called the museum folks uh -huh. and I said, you've got everything behind glass. Mm -hmm. You know, wouldn't it be neat to have somebody there that could, you know, explain it, show them, right. you know, how it works and all this kind of stuff. They love the idea. Mm -hmm. So we did that while they were in Norfolk. Then they moved on. Yeah. But when they returned to D.C. and were doing their final exhibit, they called us up. Oh, nice! They said, "Can you come up to Washington? Wow. You know, and be in the National Ge uh, yeah, the National mm. Geographic Museum. Yeah, yeah their headquarters. Uh, there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that there's a lot of little side stories to that, yeah. but that was great fun. Ultimately, I just again times change, and right. you know, we ended up we do a festival like Harbor Fest, and right. people would drop their kids off. Right. with us and then they'd go around come to pick up the kids 40 minutes later you right. know and we have some kids games but we're not <laughs> right. oriented to that right yeah but, it's not a daycare yeah but just like doing the civil war living history my biggest thrill was making people aware of things that they didn't know right in front of your face and you just right. you just don't understand and and right. we'd, we'd see people they have what we call an aha moment when they're like oh, oh. so that's where that came from <laughs> and Piracy was no different. Yeah. Adults were like, well, where did they get their pirate clothes? And I'm like, no. They're regular clothes. They're just regular clothes. <laughs> they didn't walk around with right. leather on like they right. do in black sails. And they right. certainly didn't have t-shirts with skull and crossbones right. on. Right. You know? so yeah, and not every ship taken contained treasure. They took spices and food and, oh, sure. well, and cloth that would be used for sewing or whatever because they were all commodities they could trade on. Absolutely. Right? Well, spices... Right. It was certainly Worth it, as valuable as yeah. uh, And the idea of that, of course, is the black market. Right. You know, right. they could slip in and sell things to merchants that right. they would have to pay a fortune for when they paid right. the king's tax on it. But they would also take sails and ropes because mm -hmm. they can't pull into a port and say, hey, my pirate ship needs right. repair. Can right. you fix it? <laughs> can't go to their so, local ship channel. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely everything, <laughs> uh, you know, was, yeah. was treasure. Maps were another commodity because yeah. every, every country had their own maps. Right. And... Certain countries would have codes that would deliver, deliberately do things differently. Right. So other people looking at their map would be fooled. Yeah, and a lot of early nautical charts were all hand-drawn, of course. So oh, yeah. It was uh, quite an undertaking to get those things developed. And so you can imagine doing a copy. I mean, yep. every time somebody does something, there's a chance right. for error or something. Right. Oh, yeah, especially when you're using it for navigation. Uh, because mm -hmm. navigation was more crude back then. Every error is magnified, the less accurate your chart Oh, yeah. Well, you, you know from yeah. Navy experience, one yeah. over a course of like several hundred miles, one degree right. can make a big difference. Huge, huge difference. 
So uh, I understand that in the late 17th and early 18th century, at times the Royal Navy guard ship was outgunned by the pirates. Well, the guard ship was like putting up a security camera that's not connected to anything. You know, it's Or like, a police car without a cop in it yeah, sitting on a corner. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, they were... Obviously, ships, good warships were essential mm -hmm. for England, mm -hmm. not necessarily for what was over here, but they had an obligation, right. you know, to send them over here. Right. So they weren't always the best. I've got a list of them. Yeah. In uh, 1667, uh, Governor Berkeley said, the bay is so full of pirates that it's almost impossible for any ship to go in safely. Wow. And so he kind of started up this anti-pirate yeah. thing and he started getting some guard ships in here. And the first one assigned in 1667 was the HMS Elizabeth. 46 guns. I mean, this right. was a main bank ship, but its primary purpose was to protect the tobacco fleet that would come out of here. That was our main, right. Virginia's main export. Ultimately, they um, caught and burned by the Dutch fleet that came in and completely mm -hmm. obliterated the right. uh, tobacco fleet. Well, with all that's going on now, internationally, you know, when you upset somebody's economy that much, I mean, this right. is hundreds yeah. of hogsheads of tobacco right. didn't make it to market. That was significant. Yeah, and that was a big commodity as big as, say, oil is today. Oh, or, absolutely. Or corn or yes. something, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then that was replaced, in, and there was a gap. The HMS Quaker didn't get here till 1684. So from 1667 to 1684, there was nobody. Yeah. And so then the Quaker arrived, and that's the only record that exists. Wow. The Quaker, arrived. The Quaker arrived in 1684. <laughs> Distinguished career, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. And then in 1689, five years later, right. the HMS Deptford arrived. The Deptford had 10 guns. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot smaller. Yeah, a lot smaller, smaller. And it wrecked and sank in 1689. So, so much for that. Yeah. Then the HMS Dumbarton came in in 1690. The next year, it was declared unseaworthy. They don't say what happened to it. Yeah. It just needed to be replaced. So it was replaced in 1691 by the HMF Wolf. The captain of the HMF Wolf had the indignity to run aground. If anybody's familiar with the Chesapeake Bay, there's an area called Wolf Trap. Yeah. And that's why it's called oh, that. Oh, is that right? That, that's where the wow. HMF Wolf that. ran aground. Never and the captain went back to England just humiliated. Oh, yeah. You know, his, his Navy career was pretty much over yeah. for something like that. So then we got in 1697, uh, the HMS Swift, mm -hmm. um, another gun, another ship with 10 guns. Um, and that sank the next year at Point Comfort. Mm -hmm. So then we get the Essex Prize. And that comes in um, John... Aldred was the captain, and mm -hmm. when I tell people about it, uh, I kind of say, you want to think about the Essex Prize and John Aldred, you need to go back to a classic story about Barney Fife. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the governor was so frustrated with Aldred, you know, he said, hey, we've got a report of pirates in the south. Well, we're going north to drill today. We're yeah. not going to yeah. have to yeah, yeah. practice up there. Plus, uh, Aldred just, wow. hey. Okay. The governor had authorized him to impound sailors from outbound ships. Mm -hmm. So put them into service, impress them. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, yeah. he would impound them off of incoming ships. Mm -hmm. Now, by the time they got all the way to England, you know, they were over losing a man or two, right. you know. But right. when they're just coming in and the governor's right there, yeah. like, <laughs> so 
He told, <laughs> the, the governor um, told him, hey, you can't do that anymore. Okay, right. so he started grabbing farmers right. and putting them in service. And then the governor had to come pardon them and you know right. put them back to work. So he was just a pain in the neck. <laughs> Nicholson, the governor at the time, right. uh, had heard that William Kidd was on his way up right. to New York. Just a quick synopsis of that. He had killed somebody, mm-hmm. one of his own crewmen, mm-hmm. and captured and looted a boat from India. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a treaty between India and England that that wouldn't happen. And so right. Kidd had done that. So he was ordered back to New York to stand trial. Everybody knew he was on on their way, and Nicholson was just scared to death of him. So he told Aldred and everybody else, "Look out for Kid." Mm-hmm. There was an incident where John James, mm-hmm. another pirate, came in, captured a ship. The Essex Prize saw it mm-hmm. and responded to it, and the pirate ship fired broadside, and then the Essex Prize sailed away. So we're outgunned. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I read somewhere the. Providence Galley was 26 guns and Essex Prize was only 16 guns. Yes. That's quite a mismatch. There. Yes, yeah. yes it is. Yeah. Going aboard, the uh, one of the men from the ship that was captured by the pirates asked the captain, because he's referred to as the pirate with a golden toothpick, because he just said he had he had a gold toothpick. That was the only, well, he had a pot-marked face right. and a gold right. toothpick in his mouth. Right. Um, the guy that was captured, whose ship was captured uh, or overrun, asked him, are you Kid? Right. And he goes, since they'd heard of Kid, yeah. he's like, yes, I'm Kid. <laughs> no, I'm John James. Well, who the hell is John James? Yeah, he right, goes, right. no, I'm, I'm Kid. You've heard of me. <laughs> so anyway, he proceeded to, um, to plunder yeah. the ship. Now, the first written account of pirates doing any significant plundering on shore was in 1682. Two pirate ships, unnamed, came in and dropped anchor at the entrance to the north, uh, to the York River. And several of men, of the men of the crew came in small boats and went to Tyndall's Point, which is now Gloucester Point. Right. At Tyndall's Point, they went into Mrs. Rebecca Leake's house and Mr. John Williams' house, and they plundered. They riffled through the house and took away goods of monies, plate, and food. Mm-hmm. And it was the first instance of any consequence caused by pirates. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Histories and Haunts costumed interpreters bring history to life in a way that is both educational and entertaining. Perfect for any special event. Now believe me, piracy is serious and it's dangerous. There might be people out here who are thinking of piracy as a second career. Or perhaps as a part-time job to bring home a little extra swag. But you're misleading them. They need to know that piracy is addictive. Oh, sure. Being a pirate is all fun and games when you first start off. But once you lose your first hand, well, then you're hooked. (laughs) I'm feeling like a pirate now. Hi, I'm Al Tuning, owner and creator of Histories and Haunts. Thank you for watching this video, and I hope you'll remember us when you're planning something special for a school presentation or a community event, or you're looking for a public speaker, or maybe just some good family fun. As you've seen, we have an awful lot to offer. If you have questions about anything on the website, please contact me and I'll respond as quickly as I can. So even with the risk of piracy, um, as far as residents were concerned, they weren't too anxious to have an effective Royal Navy in the Chesapeake Bay, is that right? Because of regular smuggling and import-export duties, all that type of thing. 
Exactly. I mean, the pirates were a great source of, uh, of supplies. Right. right. Low-cost goods. So their profit was greater if they were a merchant yeah. or if they were just a person purchasing them, it was still cheaper than buying them from a merchant. Well, the, the Virginia Eastern Shore yeah. was a notorious spot for pirates because tall trees. Mm-hmm. Now, what the pirates would do, they did something called careening, mm-hmm. which warm water sailors know about. The Brits didn't do it. They thought it damaged the ship. What that involves is basically running your ship up on the beach at high tide. And then when the tide's out, the boat leans to one side and, you know, over a course of several tide changes, you Mm -hmm. scrape the bottom and then put the boat over. Yeah. And so during that time, you're very vulnerable. And I mean, your masts are sticking up. So with all those trees in the background, you know, it would be harder to see a a boat on the beach. Right. So... Uh, the Eastern Shore was right. kind of rife with pirates at that point. Right. And take, for example, a tavern owner. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he's got to pay all his taxes and all this on, on all he sells, the liquor and everything else. Right. These pirates can come in and say, you know, hey, we'll, we'll provide you with this. All we need from you is maybe feed us while we're here. Right. Uh, if you hear of any heavily right. laden ships going out, let us know. Right. You know, if you hear the king's men anywhere, let us know. So right. yeah, I mean, the pe- local people loved it. Right. Be able to receive things they could never get. Right. Otherwise. So they, they kind of acted as an intelligence network for the pirates because they would get favors in return. Sure. And the pirates could bring, especially rum up from the Indies and the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and have that in, to trade and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, and absolutely everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, clothing. Mm-hmm. So, right, because uh, everything was in short supply over here as a colony, yep. and it was always yep. dear in cost through the legal means because of and taxes and everything. Also, they were limited. They could only receive imports from England because right. we were an English colony. So now you get some French stuff in here right. you know, and some Dutch stuff in here. So, right. yeah, it was quite a market. So guard ships, that was kind of the Essex Prize was the last one we know about as far as uh, instances of interaction with pirates and that kind of thing. Well... Because it was so ineffective mm-hmm. and the Essex Prize was just slow and, and mm-hmm. all that, Governor Nicholson requested a new ship sent mm-hmm. over. Okay. So they sent over the HMS Shoreham, oh, which okay. was an actual frigate that was going to replace the Essex Prize. Right. It came over here with yeah. just a skeleton crew, just enough to sail it. Right. And it obviously made several stops on its way, and they lost nine people that went AWOL right. on the different stops. Right. Um, and most of the people on there, there were there were several of them on there that were less than you know sixteen years old. Right. I think there was a number like there was nine or some of them that were only uh, twelve years old. So when they came ashore, the idea was they're going to conscript and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it took them a matter of time. So they right. were docked in Hampton or Kikatan, as it was called at the time. Mm-hmm. It was close enough to Williamsburg that the governor came out and spent time. The guy's name names are just so cool. Yeah. You know, this was Captain Passenger. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like the who's on first base. Right. You know, that's, can I say you're Captain? I'm Captain Passenger. No, I don't yeah. want the, I, I don't want a passenger. Yeah. You know, but I'm Captain Passenger. So you're the, you're the captain of the passengers. No, I want the captain of the ship. Yeah. So, um, I used to know a guy in the Coast Guard whose last name was Admiral. So that was kind of. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we had a, an officer whose last name in the fire department was, was Sergeant. Yeah. So first it was Firefighter Sergeant, and then it yeah. was. Captain Sergeant, yeah. and then Chief Sergeant. <laughs> wow. 
So uh, Shorm came over, and there was a specific pirate at the time who had a, was having a big effect on early Virginia. Most people just know about Blackbeard, but the more impactful pirate in this area was probably Louis Guitar, right? Yes. Yes. He was much more notorious in these waters in actuality during the period, uh, at least for a little while. In spite of Blackbeard, Louis Guitar really probably did the most damage around these parts, right? Well, yeah, because there's no written account of Blackbeard ever being in Virginia right. waters, which is ironic. Right. Um, but there is. There's a plaque in mm -hmm. Hampton in Kickatan mm -hmm. about Louis Guitar, Louis right. Louis Louis Guitar, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. I've seen it spelled both ways. I've seen it spelled O U I S E W I S, and I've seen the last name spelled at least two different ways. So, yeah. yeah, Nicholson. April and May were pirate season, mm -hmm. and I, I know that's hard to understand, but the pirates, it was called the pirate round. Following the prevailing winds and currents, they would come over from almost at the top of Africa, like the hurricanes do, right. and, and they would end up you know, in South America or in the Caribbean, and they'd stay there for a while, but as the weather improved, mm -hmm. you know, they would move up the coast. So you'll see a lot of activity here just in general shipwrecks and stuff, real prominent in April and May. And so Nicholson told Captain Passenger, okay, it's pirate season, yeah. you know, you need to look out. So he sent a message out to all the local uh, militia leaders. I want coast watches. You know, if you see any unusual activity, contact me because Nicholson was like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna stop this. This, right. is, this is hurting our economy. So this guy, a Frenchman named Louis Guitar was coming up out of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. and the first ship he captured was a slave ship, ironically called La Paix, mm -hmm. which in French means the peace. Mm -hmm. And so he gave up his small ship for the La Paix, mm -hmm. which wasn't huge, but it right. was bigger, bigger than most. Yeah. Pirates preferred small, fast ships. Right. And that was the one thing about the Shoreham. Shoreham was, was a frigate, just like, right. the, just like the La Paix was, and not capable of getting into the small inlets and stuff right. in the bay. So while the Shoreham was here, pa uh, Passenger was in charge of trying to buy a small like, mm -hmm. Bermuda sloop or something right. that, could, that could escort the Shoreham right. and chase the pirates into the, the shallow the waters. Because waters. there's so many shallows in the bay. Absolutely. And in those days, there was a lot more of them because we didn't have dredging and stuff. Right, and they were deeper. Yeah, yeah. Guitars coming up the coast and he yeah. captures the, the La Pay. Right. And in... Um, on April 17th of 1700, he comes up on this ship. It was called the Baltimore. And he goes on board the Baltimore, and this is pretty much a sloop. He takes everything he needs, and he decides to keep the ship. So he puts his quartermaster and 20 of his pirates on board the Baltimore. So now he's got a two-ship navy. Right. So they're sailing around. The next day, they find a ship called George. And the George was completely insignificant. Yeah. You know, so after going on board and uh, harassing everybody, he impressed all the sailors on there, right. not many, but right. he impressed all those sailors to be on his crew. Uh, they burned the George. Wow. Just, just yeah. and, and this is one of those, you know, don't leave a trace. Right. You know, they won't know there's pirates here if the ship just disappears. Right. <laughs> uh, so yeah. on the 23rd, they're sailing along and they find this ship called the Barbados Merchant. And they go on board the Barbados Merchant, and uh, again, they harass people, you know, they, anybody that will come with them, they'll take them, uh, 
if you if you don't, we're going to beat you up and all right. this kind of stuff. The ship, they already had two good ships. They didn't yeah. need another one. So when the captain of the Barbados merchant wouldn't cooperate, they just uh, broke away his rudder and they cut down all the sails and all the lines mm-hmm. and threw them overboard, you know, and disabled. Well, the steering right. was disabled right. and then just left. Yeah. You know, they took a few men with them and then left. So the thing about the, um, the Barbados merchant, while they were plundering it, doing all that to it, Guitar looks out from the lapay mm-hmm. and realizes, I don't need to be here. The boy's doing a good job. Right. So he starts to sail away and he hangs a lantern from the stern of his ship so that the uh, Baltimore will follow him. So he heads in towards Cape Henry, and the Baltimore doesn't follow him. Ah. It's just speculated that maybe they were, look, look what we did with mm-hmm. our with our little ship. You know, we we captured the the, the merchant ship and and disabled it. Let's go. So yeah. he, the last they were seen, they were headed north. Gotcha. You know, so they they didn't yeah. follow Lepay. So Lepay's in here again, kind of on its own. On April twenty fourth, they take another ship called the Pennsylvania Merchant. And they take the Pennsylvania merchants, passenger or crew on board, take them hostage because they're belligerent. And they ultimately burn the ship. Okay. Then they proceed into Linhaven Inlet and they find two small ships outbound. These ships are the Friendship and the India King. Well, he's only got the LaPay. He can't take both of them. Right. So he takes the Indian King and the Friendship uh, it, it doesn't say anything about what happens to the friendship. Right. So he took the friendship in tow and he took all the crew on the friendship and put them below decks. On He took them hostage. So he right. already had the hostage from the other ship and this one. So then he comes in with the uh, Indian king in tow and he anchors in what they call Linhaven Bay, which is right. just not in Linhaven Inlet, but right. just... Outside, just to the east, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So just a depression in the coastline, really. Essentially, so yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. since the India King was outbound, there was lots of stuff on board, right, for the pirates to plunder, right. especially wine. Oh, okay, okay, um, <laughs> or liquor of some right. kind. And so they partied all night long. They questioned to ask if there were any guard ships. Or the, the question was, are there any men of war? Uh, he said, no, there's just the one small ship, which right. probably all he knew about because right. the Shoreham was still in, in Kikatan. Right. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion of the Battle of Linhaven Bay and the fate of Lewis Guitar and his crew. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.